Welcome to the Story in Your Head, podcast number 12, I Am Enough, with our special guest, Joanne Rush. So welcome to today's podcast. Today's topic is I Am Enough, three simple little words that have a whole lot behind it. Ron, when you hear I am enough, what do you think of? The first thing that comes to my mind is being able to take whatever has happened in the past and to to not have it living in myself today, right? Because there's all those things that I've, I have stories that I've, I've screwed them up or I've done them really well, or there's, you know, inside of some regret, some past situation that gets in my way says there's some reason why I will not be good at whatever it is we're getting ready to do. And that's the story of when I say I am not enough, that's what's showing up for me. When I shift from that story to I am enough, it's all of those things that have happened in the past create a space for me to be who I am today. And I'm thankful, I'm appreciative, and I'm open to being able to bring all those gifts that I've built through all those situations and bring them into today's conversation and to contribute all the gifts that I am. So that's the first fundamental thing that shows up for me. Yeah. So, so thank you very much. Today we have an amazing guest, Joanne. When you hear that, what pops up in your head? What story do you create? Similar to Ron's, it's locating that everything that happened to me before prepared me for the moment I'm in and everything in the future, and I'm not missing anything. So I view life as a not a setup or a gotcha game. So we, we weren't set up missing pieces we had to go find before we go off and do something. And I acknowledge that I couldn't be in the space I'm in today without everything that went before. And so I'm accepting and celebrating of that. And I'm looking for what's next. And it's that letting go of feeling anything is missing that would get in the way of the next thing I'm going to do or be. Wonderful. Ron, you got in a little bit to the story of I am not enough. So you said three little words, great concept. I'm speculating, at least for myself, words I have to repeat to myself a lot, I am enough. My history is I am not enough is was a more common story. How did you shift that? And how did life change for you when you could change the story and get rid of that little word not? You make it sound like it all happened in the past a long time ago. And it's not like I'm not sitting and work in this whole space every day of my life in every situation. The language that I tell myself, and for those of you who are not familiar with self-talk, the story that's going on in my head is I get it. We're all scared. Me too. Yes, there have been times when I have failed and made up some story about some insufficiency in my life or, or myself that, that created a space for me to say, oh, I, I can't do this or I'm not enough or I'm not smart enough, fast enough, strong enough, right? And we have stories from our youth up to today, which would be 56, come up with 57 years, of all the things where I, like I wasn't enough, like I wasn't, I, I wasn't. I wasn't enough to make those make happen what I wanted to have happen. But the story that I tell myself now has become one of my favorite words is to surrender to that I am enough. And 
there's the word surrender, which means to give up, <laughs> like to just to give up. I get I give up, right? To surrender to I'm enough, versus trying to force myself to to be enough, or to force something in that space, but just surrender to I am enough right now. I have no regrets about what happened because it created the space for me to be who I am today. And when I started to do that six, seven years ago, eight years ago, and using that language, because before that I was working to really change myself, right, versus just to surrender to, I am enough, it opened up a space for me to let myself just, and I use this word, dance. Mm-hmm. With whatever I have, all the gifts, all the learnings, all the mistakes, all the things that I learned from, to let them be with me, and to use, use it all to surrender to, I'm enough. So when I first heard that a, a while ago, and I, I, I'm speculating, maybe some of our viewers might want to know, but I want to be more. Is enough enough? What if I want to be more? How does that come into play? You, you've tied them together somehow. I have, yeah. How, how, um, how did you tie those two together? So I tie them together. It's taken me a lot of years to separate it, so I'm thinking back, is I'm enough maybe right now, but I still want to get better. So let me, let me put an example in there. A lot of times I can see things easier for me when I do sports than I can in business or even with my family. So I'm learning to play tennis. And my favorite thing when I went onto the court is I would say, I'm just a beginner. You know, my serve may hit you, so I apologize ahead of time. I'll miss hit. I'm sorry. Like all these apologies because I had in my head, I'm not enough to play with these other people. Over time, I realized that I'm the only one with that story. They're like, I'm just happy somebody's out here playing with us. And, and I want to get better though, right? So is that more? What I, I have learned to do is to get out there. And when I play, my, I, my stand has three parts to it. One, no injuries. This is a 55 and older community, right? You want to walk off the court, no injuries. Yep. Have fun mm-hmm. is number two. And win is number three. And so when I do that, and I think about every shot being my best, I can still get better. So is that more? It, now let's say we're, we're, we have certain capacities to do certain things now, right? And we want to learn to do something new. So there's a space where we're in a dance with how to do that, right? And if we have the story that I'm not enough, can we really throw ourselves completely into the learning of what's next? Or do we in, are we in a space of like going like, I'm not going to make this work. This is not going to happen. I'm not strong enough. I don't know if I can hit this. I don't know what I'm going to do. This is not going to work out. Or if we have a different space where we say, no, for right now, in this moment, in this second, everything that I've done is created a space to where now I can go out and let it all go and just be enough, right? And let it happen and be open to getting better. Thanks, Rhonda. When I, when I go out to tennis and do the story, I'm pretty centered in, in self-pity, right? And as we've said in the past, when I do a mishit, it's like, see, <laughs> I could prove to myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. But what I have shifted over the last couple of months is, okay, yeah, that happens. The next one won't be that way, right? And I love how you put it, be open to getting better. So thank you, Ron. So Joanne, what are your thoughts on the what is enough, what is not, what is surrender, all sorts of things yeah. there we just went through. So what, what comes to you? So thanks for triggering me. So I've been sitting here going, oh, she's going to ask. So what helps me is to view myself that I am a work in progress. 
And that always allowed me to be in, in the moment. I'm in any number of interim situations on the way to a level of some knowledge, some something that I'm not yet at, but I'm progressing toward it. So it gives me a space to be not, you know, I might want to desire to be good, really good at something and I'm just starting. Well, I'm where I have to be on the way to getting really good and there's no other choice. I'm a work in progress. I'm on my way to being good. I'm enough to get started and I'm enough to go all the way through all the spaces that I have to do. And the other part that helps me is to accept and open that I always am open for and in need of help. So being enough doesn't mean I don't need help. So clearly that would imply there are going to be situations where what I would like to have ready at hand to be able to do, take care of something I care about or produce something I want to produce is more than I'm capable of delivering. And that's where the help comes in. So it's, it may seem like being incongruous of both being enough and needing help because that would imply you're not enough. No one human is enough. We all need help. And so I let go of the situations where I'm not all that I, that it is possible to be, but I'm enough for what I need to do next. And then I don't carry anything into why I'm not different than I am. And that's where it really came is how do you get rid of all of that? And it's something to notice and work on. That's not like, oh, good, they're all gone. It's like, yeah, no. But when you notice it, you can let go of it quicker and get on to whatever it is you need to move forward. When I, when I listened to your story, Michelle, about those moments of self-pity, and I have those too, in that moment, that wasn't your, <laughs> were you in your best place for learning tennis or having fun? You're probably okay at not getting hurt, but what about the other things you were trying to produce that did that serve you well? And I think if it doesn't, then it's easier to let go. Yeah, thanks, Joanne. Any stories where you can remember where you started maybe in the I'm not enough category, reminded yourself that you are enough, and things shifted or changed for you? I can't think of one where I thought I wasn't enough because back when that was my story, I would quit. <laughs> so... There, there, there weren't a lot of times I would work through it. I'd just shift what I wanted so it wasn't as painful. What comes to mind is a time where I probably could have gone there and didn't. And that was when in last year I was diagnosed with cancer and I had to face my first day of chemo. And I didn't know what chemo was. I mean, I theoretically did, but I've never gone through it. Nobody I knew had gone through it. I had no experience of it, didn't know what to expect. And the first day was going to be preceded by a lot of training. And in that moment, I realized there were a lot of places I could go about my situation, about what was going to come next, about absolutely everything that would have suggested to me that I am not enough to do what is coming for me. And instead, I realized, but I am. And instead, I, I celebrated. You know, I tell people it's one of the best days of my life. It was a moment where I could realize that I had everything I needed to do whatever came next. 
And I really truly was enough. And I don't think I would have come to that deep unacceptance of being enough if I hadn't had that moment to test it. Thank you, Joanne, an amazing story. And I want to acknowledge you since I've known you the whole time through that. Yeah, you were enough for me too. And you taught me a lot and an amazing story and an amazing person. Thank you. Ron, how about you? Any stories you can think of that were influential or you remember in your life or that you made that conscious decision to change your story of not to surrender? that you are enough. So I'll share a, a story about a year and a half ago before the pandemic became the common conversation. And I was asked to speak on training. Somebody who was an entrepreneur group and they had say, we'd like to have somebody who could speak about how to, how to develop training for people. Right. And in that domain. So I, they asked me if I would speak. I said, yes, of which, you know, I've trained a lot of people, but I'm not like a training expert. Like that's, that's the space for that. Right. When I got ready to speak to them and I had my stories and my strategies and I remember getting up in front of, I think there was around 110 people in the room and, you know, all entrepreneurs and had had other people speak to them. And already many times they've gotten together to do this. And as I got up to walk up to the front of the room to speak, I repeated to myself over and over again, I surrender to that I'm enough. I surrender to all the gifts that I have can come out right now. And I have no idea where this conversation will go, but I'm going to have a lot of fun and I'm going to be me and it's enough. As I started the conversation, I really don't have a lot of memory about what I said or the dialogue. Like I was just being in the space with them, right? The individual who came and asked me to come speak at this group. So in a way I had their identity tied up into how I performed as well, right? Because they, they made the introduction and got me on the speaking list, right? And so when I got done, I was kind of going like, well, we had lots of dialogue, but, you know, probably out of the 100 people, probably only 10 people engaged with me. So I was kind of, you know, not enough because I only had 10 people engaged with me, right? <laughs> I just, you know, said, you know, can I take care of you? And his response was, dude, you killed it. Like the, the room is a buzz with what you were talking about, right? And I'm going like, oh, I should have recorded this, right? Because like to see what, what, what it was I talked about. <laughs> and when I surrender to all the things that I've created in the past, which means all the successes and those things we've just learned from, and trust that I am enough, it opens up a space for me to bring everything that I am into the moment. I think it's important for us to like to, to pull this apart because somehow or another we get folded together to where, well, we need help and I'm not enough. And we, we go like, well, we need help. So I'm not enough, obviously. Right. Cause I need help and we're not right. Yeah. And like the way I pulled those apart is I am not enough is, is a psychological story in my head that we need help, that's a biological fact of human life. We collapse them together and connect them in a way that we go like, well, we need help, so I'm not enough, because if I was enough, I wouldn't need help. They're two separate domains. Yeah. One is every human needs help, fundamentally. The better help you get, better help you give, the better help you can get. And when we have a story that we're not enough, 
we're not able to give the best help we can. Therefore, we can't get the best help from others because they don't feel like they're enough. So you got like, this is a metaphor, keeping your candle under a bushel basket. You got two people coming together, bringing just part of who they are to the conversation. And both of them are scared. Yet, if you could open it up and be authentic and like surrender to you're enough, everybody gets better help. And we actually help that concern we have, which is as humans, we need help, mm-hmm. period. Let's give the best help so we can get the best help. And that means all the things that we did in the past create who we are today. And if you don't bring them in, you're not giving the best help. Thanks, Ron. A couple of things come to mind to me. First, I'll, I'll tell a story of where that was significant for me and that I am enough story and the shift and the difference that it made. So I had a, a wonderful opportunity. The company I was working for was buying out another company, right? That we had owned a minority ownership in. We were going to own them now 100%. It was a company in Japan. And going from minority to 100%, which means that company now had to shift from being a Tokyo company on the Tokyo Stock Exchange, delisted, and now a subsidiary of a U.S. company. So pretty traumatic. So we sent over a team of executives to work, and I was selected to go over as the interim CIO, the chief information officer in Japan, and they were about a $2 billion company. So I remember sitting around my first meeting in the leadership team. Fortunately, most things were in English. Everybody had headphones for translations as you kind of work through it. I had a staff of about 150 people, of which maybe five spoke English. And I was like, okay, this is going to be different. And the first thing that popped into my head is I looked around and like, these people are amazing. What am I doing at this table? Right? How, how am I here among all these others so that I'm not enough? And the reason I'm telling that story is somebody, the COO actually came to me one day and he's like, he looked at me and he goes, you belong here. And the reason why that hit me, it's like, so that was the story of my head that I'm not enough. And you think it, you're holding it to yourself, but everybody can see it, right? So yeah, the story leaks out through whatever pores and cells that you have in your body and people will notice. And I'm like, all right, and we sat down, we talked for a half hour and I changed my story time enough and I belong at this table. And it was probably the best two years I had, right? Working with this group, I'd learned so much about how to run a company because I was right there in the midst of an executive team of a $2 billion company. Yeah, working with the staff was a little challenging. I had a translator with me the whole time and there were some English words that don't translate to Japanese, which, okay. <laughs> I had to work through some of those, but it made a difference. And so for me, that's very impactful mm-hmm. because others can see it when you have that story more than you think. You think you can hide it to yourself and you really can't. And your performance kind of shows it. So that for me was a big story of shifting from I'm not enough. The hidden one that I used was I don't belong because I'm not enough. So yeah, I deserve to be here and I can contribute. So that's, uh, that is my story. So I, I want to kind of key off of that. And, and you said a little bit of this, Ron, is what do you do when you see somebody else with that story? How can you help them, right? Because certainly a lot of people noticed that I had the story of I'm not enough. What do you do there? Yeah, first step is 
to pay attention so that you can notice whether they have the story or not, right? Now, if we're in the world of I'm not enough and I don't belong here, it's hard to notice anybody else because you're still living in mainly your own head. When you move out of that and start to notice them, right, the first steps that I take is to believe in them. Like to say it in my head and maybe say it out loud to them, right? And to where that is how you see them, that is who you see them as, and then that space, you can share that with them. And then when there's the, the space is there, to share that you believe in them and to acknowledge them for like that you're scared too. Nothing makes it okay to be scared like hearing somebody else is afraid too. And they're still working. They're still moving forward. They're still participating. They're surrendering to that they're enough. And that sets an example for somebody else to be able to do that, to be vulnerable, to allow them to be vulnerable and talk about it, takes away the power of their fear and their power for them to now contribute to it to you. Those are the steps I use. Joanne, how about you? I have the most trouble if I'm concerned or I'm wrapped up in the moment of what we're trying to produce and I lose sight, I, I get focused on the tasking and not the people to really pay attention to the people. And some of that helps remembering when, you know, if I go, you know, I was apprehensive, so could everybody else be and it'd be okay. What would help me? And what do I tell myself? Those are the stories I need to, you know, I, I hold our, if it work for me, I'll work for other people. We're all human. I do still have trouble imagining certain people are scared. And yet I know they are because I know we all are. And I, and I find that often those are the people that need to hear that the most are the ones who seem least like you would need to say you believe in them, are the ones that are so busy trying to convince everybody that they got this and they don't need help, are the ones that are often the ones you actually get the most value from letting them know you believe in them. Thanks. Any stories of somebody that you believed in and the shift that it made for them? There was somebody in our team that the the person we reported to would pick on. It wasn't, you know, his story wasn't that he really felt the person was not performing or not valid. He just was in a habit of picking on people as sort of like fun. But it was somebody that was new in their career. And she did not feel like that was, it, it, to her, it was an assessment and she wasn't enough. And I would take time to, after every meeting, to talk to her about calling out the contributions and said, really glad you were here, you make a difference, and you got this. But I noticed that it helped more when before I would do that before the meeting happened so that I would begin to give her that assurance before she went into the meeting. And I found she didn't care about the, she didn't seem to react to the conversation of others as much. And she was able to begin to hold the conversation a little better when the, when the picking on started, she would just kind of call a halt to it and try to focus back on what, what the meeting purpose of the meeting was and watching her kind of get her own strength and be able to hold her own and felt comfortable doing it. And then watch when nothing bad happened, she was like 
oh, wow, I made it. It was okay to do that because, you know, I, I was getting picked on. I, st- you know, and her, her story, she, I st- stepped in anyway and the world didn't end and nothing bad happened. And I watched her grow into somebody that was very confident. And then about a year later, she came back and told me what difference it made. And I didn't, you know, I was just trying to, to help a person. I wasn't doing any, you know, this wasn't any in your career or turn out better. I didn't have a bigger story. But for her, it was a big story and a big deal. And I think that's one of the other things is to remember to go back to those people that you felt believed in you and let them know because they may not always notice that. And I, I, I think that can make it contagious is the more that you can let people know what a difference that makes, then it helps them know to keep doing it. Thank you. What a great story. Ron, how about for you? Where has it made a difference for somebody else? I've got, many stories. I'm trying to pick out which one to share. I'll, I'll show the first one and, and then maybe go into the second one as well. The first one was somebody who came to work for us who I had known from, from university and came to work for us, but they didn't have the technology. Like they hadn't taken apart. They didn't know all the technology to do what they were doing, but fundamentally they had the right skills to do what, what we needed to do, which is project management. And we gave them uh, about eight months of time to go watch it being done and do some you know, understand the mechanics of some of the stuff. But he wasn't an expert anyway. And then came and said, I, "I think I'm ready to be a project manager." I go, "I believe you are." So we put him in charge of one of the largest nuclear projects in the country, and but put a team around him, like so the technology part would be there and it wouldn't be a concern. And we just like simply said, we, we believe in you. You may have some challenges, but we're here to help you. And we, no problem. You'll, you'll make it happen. And when we got done, he had set a world record for the fastest that had ever been done. But that's not the fun story. The fun story is how three different times, now this is only a 12 day run, right? But three different times in the middle of that 12 day, he actually packed up all of his stuff, put it into the bag to leave. One time he got it all the way to the edge of the office. The second time he got all the way to the elevator, right? The third time he got all the way to his car because he was just basically saying, F it, I'm out of here, right? And every time it was like he got to the place where he goes, no, I can do this. And he turns around and he comes back and set a world record, right? As the first time he ever managed that pro- a project that size. And it opened up a new world for him to where he managed projects all around the country and went to England, won a bunch of awards and helped the group in England to change how they do outages and all this stuff. Right. But it was all in that moment where he felt there were people who believed in him and he began to believe in himself, even though there were those moments where he still had that scared self saying, F it, I'm out of here. One time he got all the way to the car. The second time is, working at actually at Calpine this time. And I met somebody and I shared like the story of like who we are and how we believe in people and what we like, what they'll do. And I got, you know, dozens of stories from people at Calpine where we believed in them and they went on to produce great things and continued to do so. Even some of them who've left and now own businesses, not me, other guys, I've done that too. But there was one particular person who was in audit, right? And, and you know how, how that, 
brings the fun to conversation when you say we're bringing somebody in from audit, right? And we had a conversation with him, and I told him what we're up to, and he was there for auditing, right? So he was the what most people would consider the enemy, right? And I told him what we were up to and what we're doing, and I got a call from him like on the way out of the office saying, I want to be on your team because I want somebody to believe in me like I see you believe in your team. Right? And so I, I asked him, I, I, my first question was, yeah, but that's a finance role. Are, do you, do you do finance? I, I, I do. You know, Cause I, I just thought of him as auditing. And, uh, and it was actually, that was his first, like that, that is his training. That's his background. That's where he was at. But he went into auditing for a specific help out a friend. And, oh, my God, the look on everybody's face, like, why would you bring him in here, right? And I was going, like, because I believe in him. I think he's going to do a great job. <laughs> now, so how'd it go, like, for everybody, right? Within about six weeks, everybody began to see Dave as a friend, like like as a, a, an ally in what we're doing. And Dave helped us to understand the financials, the budgeting process, all that in that space, right? We had a $400 million budget. We hit it within less than $100,000. We couldn't convince the people inside of Calpine that we actually did that. They kept looking at the numbers going like, nobody's ever hit their budget that close. And while everybody knew what their budgets were and everybody knew how to use it, everybody started believing trust Dave to be a source of help. And like Dave, when I left, Dave went off to take on another role and continue to grow his career inside that space where before, he felt he just kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller roles because of his identity of an auditing and that he began to believe yeah. that that's what he did, that's what he was in life. And we opened up spaces for him to do that. Now he went and created those spaces and those identities. Those are two examples of believing in people and how it makes a difference in, in them when, when you do that, that they are enough. Yeah. They really are enough. They really are. Thanks Ron. I especially love the story where, the first one, the project manager sort of had at least three known min or big minutes or moments of disbelief. And I know these for myself, they still occur, maybe not as often. I notice yeah. them a little bit more um, and I can shift that story. So I'm just wondering any practices you have to remind yourself that you are enough. I'll go first, Joanne. First and foremost, the most powerful step in the world is to have a group that you're in that knows all of this is the same as you do. Being in a group that understands and believes in you and believes in the, and can believe in themselves when you get triggered to go into self-doubt and I'm not enough and all that, they can stand there and go, no, you got this. Don't worry. We're here. Right. And to have that open, authentic conversation is when I find I get in trouble is when I forget that I am, I am enough and I go into, I am not enough and there's nothing to perturb me out of it. I get my little psychological down spiral. And if I don't connect with somebody to trigger me to get out of that, I, I can spend way too much time in it. So first step, I say, get yeah. a network and be in that space. And then the second one is practice as much as you can, helping other people notice that they are enough. Because while, while you're helping them, you're also keeping that story in the foreground for you. When we remember that we're enough, we can be very powerful. Thank you. Joanne, how about you? 
So I, I, I come up with a better language or a better story about what I'm doing other than I am not enough. So one of them I do of, well, this isn't for me, or I'm not the best person for this. So see, there's nothing wrong with me just for this situation. Others would be better. And maybe I should just step out and give that other person a chance because I believe in them. And I noticed that I, I just start, it usually comes from when whatever happened wasn't what I meant to have happened, which happens more than I'd like to think. And in that moment to just kind of, I, what I find is I give it a little bit of time. There is a, a great story I learned from reading a book called Tuesdays with Maury. It was written by Mitch Album, and he had interviewed a, a mentor of his who had ALS. And the story is Mitch said, well, don't you ever get frustrated? And here's this guy with advanced ALS. And he says, well, yeah, you know, I can get frustrated about my situation. I never give it more than 15 minutes. So I felt, well, if somebody in that situation can allocate 15 minutes, I'm going to give myself five. And I just let for five minutes just go everywhere on it because I find that I actually don't like that feeling at all. And if I really surrender into it, I'll pull myself out of it because that's not where I want to be. So you kind of go wallow in it a little bit and then put it on the shelf, get rid of it and keep going because that's not, that's not me. But there are moments where I found it's for me, it works to just, you know, it's like you yell and scream or you get mad or you get frustrated or you put all that stuff out there and then you quietly go, okay, that's done. That was five. Get on with it. And that's what I found works for me. It's just you give it a space, but not very much. Yeah, thanks. You know, I probably use a combination similar to Ron. After many years, I can notice it in myself and like, ugh, get over it, move on, right? Recreate mm -hmm. the story. Um, and a lot of that happened in, in working with others, right? Because they'd be yeah. like, ugh, are you there again with that <laughs> bullshit story? You know, like, I am so tired of that story of yours, like, and just I can hear the frustration and like, yeah, they're like, cut it out already. <laughs> you know, you got this. Got it. And it started to become of, it really helped me to pull out of that because I didn't want others to feel frustrated that they had to pull me out of it. Yeah. That's a story that I made up for myself, but it helped me to remind me, it's like, oh, I want to take care of them too. So they don't have to go through that, except maybe in those situations where I don't see it when I can see myself drifting into the I'm not enough, to stop, shift, take a moment. I love Joanne, right? Take a moment, change my story and move on. And I'll do that even in tennis, right? When I've had like, oh, I can't believe that, you know, double fault again. I'll stop for a minute and I'll bounce the ball for a few minutes. Like, okay, and start over again. Thank you both. What is uh, coming back clear for me is in the space of, I'm always going to do that. What I'm working on is how to reduce the time from when I start to do that until where I can notice that I can do that and then take some plan of action to move on. Right. So my goal is not to stop, try to prevent myself from doing that, but to drive, drive that recovery time from 15 minutes to five minutes, maybe to 15 seconds. And if I could do it to where I can recover in a matter of a few seconds, that's like a, a great place, but I'll always have that story keep showing up. Like, okay, yep, there it is. Okay, good. Now we can move on. Great. Thank you. Joanne, are there other thoughts from you? 
So one of the things that I think is to periodically question in to where stories about not believing in yourself or not thinking you're enough keep you from even launching the stories of what could be and what's possible. You know, but if you were enough, what would you do? <laughs> you know, what else could be? You know, how do you open up when you're first starting and help others open up that space of what could be possible? We get pretty good at limiting ourselves to stay within in our safe zones and, you know, hide from the places where we think we're insufficient or might get called out. It's hard to come out of that. And, and you're so used to not thinking about what could be. You may forget a little bit or, or atrophy a little bit on the what, it, what could be possible. So I've been practicing on how to have that conversation with others to uh, what are the questions you can throw to them and therefore find the ones that work that I can throw to myself that are, well, think bigger than that. What, what could be possible? What are you closing out because you're busy being not enough? So I don't know if either of you have things of how do you, you know, how do you help people as they be, they, they may not hold that story, but they're, they're limiting their thinking because they're so living within their definition of, of all that they can be. Yeah. Thanks, Joanne. That brings me back a little bit to my Japan story and the reason why is I also would avoid, I'm, if I'm not enough, I'm not going to do this, right? When they're in the US, yes, you can change jobs. But I was, I don't know, thousands of miles away from home, you know, 13 time zones, two languages and whatever you want to think of. And it's like, I can't just turn around and leave. You know, <laughs> there was no easy escape route. So I had to face it and deal with it, right? And I saw what a difference it made when I did that because there was no easy and and I think it's true right great questions to ask others is how is it limiting their thinking right what could it be because it could be anything you want it to be and create so I think that's a that's really important right in helping others to do that and even yourself right when you come into those moments of of self-doubt so thank you for bringing that forth Ron I can see you're you're jumping at the microphone there go for it I'm no Yes. So what, what keeps coming to me is the business that, that, um, that we're in, that was this, right? How do you create something that's like a wild outside? No way could that ever happen. Fantasy thing that if you believed in yourself, you could go do that. And like, that's what we're doing. That's what I'm doing in this space with you guys today and sharing this conversation with, people, which was like something who 30 years ago, 30 years ago, I was in a conversation with somebody and they said, so what do you want to do in life? I really want to help people. And they kept going like, no, no, no. What would you really want to do? Right. And, and like they could only, I think what it came down to, they were looking at want to make a lot of money. And I was going like, that's not my story. And I finally said, this just chasing money thing doesn't, it's not authentic for me. What do I really want to do? What do I really want to be? How, what difference do I want to make? And this kept coming clear to me. Then leaving, working for somebody else, getting great paychecks and all that other stuff in there to come into the space where I can make a difference for myself and a difference for the, the world that, that's going to be left behind. It's bigger than anything I could have ever thought 
of even 10 years ago. That's what keeps showing up for me. Sorry, self-reflective there. And I, I'm not clear where, where, we, where we're going to be able to take this. But I'm sure it's farther than I can imagine. Yeah, thanks, Ron. Joanne, any reflections for you? Well, I reflect on the difference living is when you can hold the story. When you're, when you're living from I'm enough, uh, and you listen to people who go, oh, that was such a day, or can't wait till the weekend, or whatever story they're in about it. And I listen to that, and that's just not what I'm living. And I celebrate that, is that once you, you know, quit being your own worst critic and uh, your own dampening of, of yourself, the experience of life just opens up as just being far more, you know, happy and joyous. It's just more pleasant. You know, I'm more pleasant to be around and others are, you know, just everyday experiences that others are, you know, you can look at something and go, well, that was fascinating, but it, it gives you a resilience that I don't think you have when you're concerned whether you're enough or not, that everything is a potential threat to discover one more place you're not enough. And when you let that go, it just frees up a lot of things to just kind of enjoy stuff. And yeah. I and I notice this the people who hold a belief of I am enough, from what I observe, seem to live more centered and peaceful lives than those that don't. Thank you, Joanne. Agree with both of you. And even working on this business, right? I'm with you, Ron. I'm not sure where it'll go, but that's the fun of it. Right. And because it's not a set destination, there's a lot of choices you can make. And what made me think even for Joanne is when you're enough, the number of choices increase exponentially. Mm -hmm. And you can do whatever the hell you decide to choose, right? And the blame of, oh, somebody else made me, right? That goes away because it's choice. Choice. And it's a lot more fun. It's a lot more fun. Thank you very much. This was an amazing conversation of people that are enough. Great. Thanks, Michelle. You have a, gr a group that's enough? I guess so. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. <laughs> thanks, Michelle, and thanks, Joanne. Thank you. Thank you all for listening today. Please take a moment to subscribe to the story in your head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. Thank you all, and we'll see you next time.